going on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Nobody knows monster rugby better. Carberry gets over the line. Try from Ulster. Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Lily Ag scores one of the most important goals they have ever scored. What a moment for the Republic of Ireland. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I'm Kathleen McNamee and I'm joined by two absolute legends of the Irish game, Karen Duggan and Emma Byrne, to talk about all the weekend's WSL action and everything that's happening in the world of women's sport. Ladies, how are we both? Very good. Very good. Really good. It's Monday. <laughs> what can I say? I don't share that sentiment, but I'm good. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like that was the most excited I've heard anyone say, it's Monday today. <laughs> It was a lot of like people walking around with like deadness in their eyes in the office, I feel. Those are the people that have a social life and I don't. So, (laughs) well, you were too busy being on the TV at the weekend. (laughs) You see the weekend, I work the weekend. So Monday is a good day for me. It's my day off. Well, apart from this, but yeah, (laughs) this isn't work. <laughs> so we've got to chat up or catch up with friends. A chat up, it's a chat. <laughs> it makes it sound like it's something. It's taking a turn. <laughs> um, it was quite. Uh, it was a good week of football. There was a lot happening, but I suppose when we look slightly outside of the WSL, there has been some not so good stories that we just want to touch on at the top of the show. And um, we will be doing all the WSL crack and analysis later on, and we will have Emma Carroll for our WSL team of the week. But to turn our attention to Spain, and I know Emma, this is something that you probably are an expert in for many reasons. Um. How did you feel last week seeing the players have to bring out that statement after essentially being outed by the Spanish FA in a situation where they wanted to keep things private, they wanted to keep it internal and they were just given no choice in the matter? Yeah, I mean, what a mess, first of all. The whole thing has become just so messy and stressful for the players. Um, I think... You know, you have to look at it from both sides. I don't think the players have gone about it the right way. I think um, there were different ways to do it. You know, initially, I've this has been happening for quite a while now. Get them having meetings, trying to resolve how they feel the situation. And I just think um, they could have done it a little bit better. However. They're young. They're very young. They're in an emotional state. And it is at the end of the day, their careers, you know, so perhaps they, they were a bit too emotional. This is why, you know, I was trying to advise them to get someone else in like the PFAI or someone like that uh, in their own country, because it does help when you've got professionals in that kind of take the emotional, um, status out of it. But at the end of the day, they have emailed how they're feeling. Um, it was an emotional email. They didn't want to create a, a big, you know, social media um, event. So they emailed the, their federation directly and how the federation dealt with it, I thought was pretty disgusting. Um, Almost childish, you know, I thought. Well, it was, 
I've, I just got the feeling they they were waiting for this email and mm. that as soon as they got it, that was it. They were going to attack it and attack the people who were involved in the email. I mean, they named the people, which I don't think was mm. fair, the players. I don't think that was on. Um, and also the things that they said, you know, if you don't want to come, well, don't forget, if you say you're not coming, we can ban you from two to five years, like straight away. This is like... It's too it's a big strong. leap, isn't it, from an email to banning someone for five years? It's too it's big ridic- of a leap. It was ridiculous. It was an attack. And mm. you're talking about attacking girls who are feeling quite vulnerable at the moment, who have taken a huge step. That Some of these girls are 22 years old. Like they haven't even... You know, they haven't, they haven't even started to play at the top level yet. And they've made that decision because they are feeling that, you know, emotionally they couldn't go and they needed, they need a change there. And whatever the reason is that they, why they emailed them, whatever the reason, it doesn't matter. They're feeling, you know, vulnerable. You're talking about young players and the federation should have done better. And then at the end of the day, if it came to that, that the Federation were like, listen, no, we're not going to uh, bow down to you. We're not going to whatever they want, sack the manager or whatever. Then they make that decision and they talk to the players. They don't do it publicly. They don't do it on social media. It's ridiculous. I thought it was a complete attack on them. I was kind of curious about what it was the players wanted from it because they said publicly afterwards that it wasn't that they wanted the manager sacked, even though that seemed to be one of the things that was going around the most. And what the implications seem to be, if you don't like the atmosphere in the dressing room, you don't like the way you're being trained, you don't like like team selections. The only you're way saying it without saying it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, get I mean, this was my whole thing right from the beginning when I heard that they were going to, there was action going to be taken, whatever it was, minute or major. I was like, but what exactly do you want, first of all? What do you want from this? And there were literally too many things, too many changes um, for me to keep the manager there because it was basically everything he did. Well, not everything, but a lot of the things. And to be quite honest, they did have reason to ask for a new manager, but they didn't lead with that. They led with something else. And that was the problem. So now it feels like they're just trying to come back on themselves. When if they did have someone in there advising them, they would have said, right, this is what we want. This is why we want it. And you have to be able to understand that. But I think it all got a little bit mixed up. And I think they went in maybe a little bit too easy. And it's not an easy situation. So you kind of have to be a little bit cutthroat, unfortunately. And at the end of the day, these are players. Let's look at it realistically. You have a manager that's been there um, from the under 19 and then progressed to the senior level, who's a very good under 19 manager, by the way. Um, Probably from what I here uh treating the girls like they were still under 19 which um obviously is not okay for a senior team mm-hmm. and you're talking about players that have won champions league that are top 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 in the world you're you're talking about six or seven players that have won champions leagues who are the best players in Europe and they can't get past uh, the semi-final stage it's just it's not on it's unforgivable and not only that you're ta- the the it was in the euros uh, not the, the Euros was just gone, the Euros like four years ago in the Netherlands, they totally underperformed 
because of his choices, because of the choice of players he made when there were strikers, which is what they were missing. Mm -hmm. There were absolutely brilliant strikers back in Spain, having a cup of tea, having their Spanish omelette, whatever they were doing. And they should have been there with the team. So that should have been the time to, to talk about should he be there or not. Mm. Yeah, like you'd expect it from France, maybe, or someone like that, who are always a bit head the balls when it comes around uh, (laughs) competition time. But Spain, when they have seen the growth that they have in terms of their domestic leave over the past few years and all the success Barcelona have had, it should be just capitalizing on it. And this is just putting a bit of a stain on everything at the moment, I think. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. And, you know, women's football has progressed and you have to ask, do the federation want the women's team to progress? Do they want them to win things? Because at the end of the day, you look at the team, it has to be something the managers do and because they have the best players in the world. And you have players that have sacrificed a lot of their lives to be the best players. And now they're saying, well, we want to win with the national team. And what do we have to do to do that? And I think it's a valid question they're asking. Yeah, and like if you look at the Euros, everyone praised how Wiegmann kind of protected her players and treated them like they were exactly that adults, not an under 19 team and just very straight and specific with them. And it just seems like this is the opposite. And surely if they do want to win something, they should be taking a leaf out of the FA and look at what the English did recently. That's definitely a story we will be following over the next couple of weeks. It'll be interesting to see they're playing the US women's national team start of October and a couple of those players came out and voiced support for the Spanish players. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually do anything or if anything comes of it at the time. Uh, the Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports is an association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Coming up next, we have Team of the Week with Emma Carroll and then we will have some analysis on the weekend's action. And we are here now with Emma Carroll, who has done another lovely team of the week for us. Emma, how did you find constructing your team this weekend? It was a lot tougher with all the overlapping kickoffs, I won't lie. I had like laptop, iPad, phone, all at once at one stage just to try to get some of them in. But yeah, Sunday was a difficult one. It was a busy one, but we got there. Well, do you want to show us your selection after all your hard work that went into it? (laughs) Um, welcome back, Anne Catherine Berger in goal. Um, we spoke about her last week. Ashley Neville was brilliant again for Spurs this week. Raffaele and May Letizia, and then Una Badier as well um, as the defenders. Midfield, I tied around with putting Aaron Cuthbert in there. I thought she was excellent, but I went for the Arsenal duo because I just thought they were brilliant. Leah Walty and Kim Little and uh, Frank Kirby in there as well. And then a front three of Lauren James, Caitlin Ford and Jess Park. There was lots of like nodding and smiling as you were reading out this team. So I feel like there's going to be not too many complaints about it, Karen. For once. (laughs) What stood out for you from this team? Well, starting at the top, I suppose, Berger, you'd have to agree, considering um, she's just back in the team after what must have been a very difficult period for her. And she showed great composure when she was called upon um, and like kept a clean sheet against City when City were kind of knocking on the door, It's particularly in that first half. So for many reasons, I thought that she definitely deserved her place. And in terms of the backline, like I'm a huge fan of Batier. We spoke about her last week. Neville, the same. Um, trying to see where I can argue with the backline. Letizia, again, big up to the United uh, representation there. Raffaele, great goal. Um, I suppose the only 
a bit more Everton representation because we're not used to praising them. So I think that their centre back, um, she was taking the set pieces, wasn't she? Um, so she set up one. Um, and I also thought Bjorn in midfield was very, very good for them. So possibly in for Walty, but I do agree, Little and Walty, the way that they just were able to create space and get out of tight spaces, it completely just nullified Spurs as usual aggression and press um, and once that was gone Spurs kind of lacked a lot apart from Neville who was her usual boisterous high energy self I, yeah, did. I thought Neville was brilliant I thought, you know and what was a really fought. hard day and then I think in the last 20 minutes she went up right wing and that's when Spurs started to become a threat as well so I thought in the two positions that she played on Saturday she was brilliant so yeah, I thought she definitely deserved her, her place in the team this week. Mm. It's interesting, Karen, you mentioned Bjorn because that was one of the players I had as well that I probably would have added in. I, like, I didn't necessarily uh, disagree with YET, but mm. I just thought that like her assists for the second goal, like the pass was absolutely great. The vision was great. She was like up and down the pitch the whole time, breaking up play, working hard. I, and I suppose, and like you said, with a team like Everton, we don't normally pick out players where we're like, oh, wow, they actually mm-hmm. played really well. And I, I mean, it made me excited to see a bit more of Everton this season. I don't know if they'll be able to replicate it all season, but some really young, exciting players. I've never seen anyone bully Millie Bright. She's an absolute beast back there. She's beasted the Euros. It's the first time I've ever seen anyone match her physically and some. Uh, Bunny Shaw absolutely destroyed them. And um, Kadesha Buchanan, who I would have considered a quite a strong centre-back. She looked like featherweight compared to Bunny Shaw. <laughs> and then as you speak about Erin Cuthbert, she did an amazing job in a holding midfield position. She's not a, she's not a deep mm-hmm. midfield player. She's a, a, an attacking player. So she did an awesome Awesome job, but just bringing back to Bunny Shaw, she absolutely flattened her. Um, <laughs> I actually text Aaron Cuthbert after the game, and I was like, "I'm so happy to see you walking around the place after that." <laughs> so yeah, I might have put Bunny in there because she was just pure entertainment for me. But otherwise, yeah, really agree with that team, and it's great to see Berger back. Absolutely brilliant, and she makes a big difference in there. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And we're um, waiting for James, I think, to kick into life and. That seemed to kind of happen um, at glimpses. She was just kind of gliding past players. She didn't even look like she was in fourth gear and no, she was just doing it with ease. Second half. Yeah. It just looked so easy. I was, I was mm. nearly shouting from, you know, the, the sideline, get in on her. Yeah. You wanted, you want Shaw to in on her. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that, Emma, because like last week you said you hadn't seen enough from her yet, or she was still like needed to increase her physicality. She needed to, you know, get that regular game time. Was that a game where you were like, okay, see more? I mean, she was so impressive and to see her live as well kind of changed my um, opinion about it because you could see the work rate she was doing. Um, the only thing is, I don't think that City challenged her enough defensively and in her in that position that they play, she has to get back and defend. And uh, Leilu Habi didn't get up the line enough for me to challenge her in that respect. But apart from that, she was brilliant. She was great on the ball, great decision making. Yeah, and it's rare, just a rare one to have Miedema score two goals and for her strike partner to be the one who got the nod on team of the week. Yeah, I think I don't think Caitlin Ford gets enough credit. I think we talk about Black Stinnias all the time, Need, Miedema, even Katie McCabe, and her work rate is just unbelievable. I thought she was the one that was the danger and creating everything for Arsenal. 
Um, I think one of the goals came from her as well, working down that left hand side. Uh, I just she's feisty. She she's feisty mm. as well, which we love as well. Yeah, yeah, she, was that that she probably was lucky to not get a red <laughs> for yeah. that for that late tackle. It was a bit of a retaliation, I think, for the one that went on Miedema just beforehand. But yeah, I thought she was brilliant. It's brilliant to watch, and yeah, she doesn't get enough credit. So I just thought her game against Spurs was probably one of the players' matches really with, with Kim Little probably. Kim Little, yeah. we've had Letizia in the last like two weeks. Vingman announced her England squad this week. Do we think she has played a way in? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, there's definite nods from all around the yeah. room on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the two goals certainly put her up there, didn't they? <laughs> that start yeah. the week. Everyone's talking about her for those two goals. Um, she didn't have much to do against Redden apart from that. Like, she, you wouldn't really see her say she touched the ball maybe 15 times in the whole game. But um, uh, she's definitely showed just her fitness levels as well. She just looks incredibly fit at the moment and she's very much ready. Her to get passing in as well. We talk about Williamson and Bright's crossfield passing, but she um, she made a few over the weekend as well and they were just spot on. She's already completed the most passes of any player in the WSL this season. A little fun little stat for you there. Mm. <laughs> Beekman was always obviously looking at the stats and thought, better yeah. bring her in. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Emma. We can't wait for your next team of the week. Now, it was a weekend of dramatic action in, across the place, watched on by like over 90,000 fans, I think was the final tally for the weekend, which was great. Uh, the atmosphere in Anfield last night looked unreal. And of course, you had the 47,367 people turning out at the Emirates. Um, uh, probably would have liked maybe a bit of a better game at the Emirates. Obviously, it's always nice to see Arsenal get a 4-0 win, I'm sure, but also... A bit of competition would have been nice considering we have had a bit of a battle between the two teams in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we're at the stage in women's football where we want to see good games. We don't want to see mistakes. We don't want to be talking about the levels of the teams, even though we will. Um, So, yeah, you wanted a good game. But the fact is, it was Arsenal Spurs. So you kind of want Arsenal. Well, I I did anyway. (laughs) I wanted Arsenal to absolutely hammer them. Um, And and the fans, they absolutely destroyed them, didn't they? And of course, the fans that were there, you know, they're Arsenal supporters, so they hate Spurs, whether it's men, women, kids. So, yeah, it, it was a great, great night in that respect. Um, fantastic crowd, which I was really happy about because, you know, we were talking about Arsenal playing in the Emirates against Wolfsburg last year in the, the Champions League, and it was really disappointing. So I'm glad that the club have managed to um, work a bit harder to get the, the supporters in. Um, but, yeah, I would have preferred a, a more challenging game for Arsenal. And I'm really looking forward to them playing a, be- a better team, a team that's going to challenge them. And um, the same with United, uh, you know, as, yeah. when we get like into the the mix of it properly, that's going to be really interesting. Very interesting. I think they probably expected more of a battle as well. I think that that's why Ford probably came in for Blackstenius and they were like high energy stuff and it, it really worked. But I just thought that Spurs just didn't lay a finger on them at all I was going to ask what you thought of their plan because it seemed like even in defence they didn't really know what they were doing like sometimes they had a back three sometimes they had a back four sometimes a back five sometimes everyone was just back there for no reason at all like and they weren't pressing Arsenal at all 
I think Rianne was Rianne Skinner was trying to do a bit of an Emma Hayes. Like she was kind of trying to confuse the the Arsenal attack, but I mean it didn't work. And when you're playing against a team like Arsenal in the Emirates in your Spurs, for me it's all about getting tight, getting you know, letting them know you're there. Yeah, frustrate them, slow it down, and they yeah, just yeah, exactly. They need to be in their faces, and I think it was nearly too tactical when just go down, get back to the basics. Do not give them time, particularly in midfield. And Walty and, and Kim Little had so much time in there to just like popping the ball off like with ease with so much time. So, yeah. And, and they tried to change it a little bit through, throughout the game. But at the end of the day, it was through mistakes and basic errors that you kind of have to go back to and get them fixed before you start talking about anything else. But we'll give Arsenal credit, like the intensity that they started the game. I mean, before they even got the fifth minute goal, they could have had a couple. Um, they yeah. just hit the ground running. Oh, yeah. No, at the Emirates as well. You don't want to play yeah. Arsenal at the Emirates. You just don't want to do it because yeah. they're just well up for it. They're hyped up. And you certainly don't want to be Spurs playing them at the Emirates, to be honest. <laughs> and what do you like? Do you think it's a case of say everyone's looking at Arsenal right now and saying that they look very good, but you mentioned the fact that they haven't really had a challenge yet. And we saw even in the Champions League, which was probably the main challenge they've had, it didn't go all that great. Is it a case in the WSL where, I know Emma, you've said before that you think they're going to win the league this season, but like, do you think they would beat Chelsea as they in their current form? Yeah, in their current form, yeah. If they played uh, Chelsea yesterday, they would have beaten them, I think, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Arsenal have started incredibly, actually. The, the way, the form, the fitness, um, the sharpness, which is always really difficult at the start of the season, no matter how many pre-games you've played and how much training you've done. Um, I think Chelsea do look a little bit rusty and I'm, I think Emma Hayes would be the first to admit that, you know, they're coming in, at, they didn't have a, a very long pre-season and they look specifically Sam Kerr, who's who they depend on. Uh, yeah. They look a little bit rusty. So I think Arsenal would beat them at this stage, but you can see they're already picking up their momentum, Chelsea. So you know, two more games in and we'll be talking about how good they are and how much they've gelled and how they look fit and sharp. <laughs> um, but I do think Arsenal, I said it last season as well, I thought they should have won the league. I, they, I thought they were a better footballing team. I thought they were the best footballing team. And they made mistakes. They, they drew they silly draws during the year. And I think they've learned from that. They were already talking about not dropping points. And the fact is Chelsea and Man City have dropped points already. Yeah. Which I can't see Arsenal doing. Yeah. And if you were a neutral and you had to pick a team that you wanted to watch based on just excitement and skill, you're going for Arsenal over the others, really. Um, yeah, absolutely. And this is where I'm looking forward to the Champions League because, yeah. you know, they've they've failed. Let's be honest, they've failed <laughs> um, in Champions League and they know that. And it is the competition that you can prove you can compete at that level and they haven't done it. And I think the players, the individual players I know there, particularly Kim Little, will want to show that they can compete with the cha- with the best in the Champions League. I think Medium as well, since she stuck around, she obviously had that in her sights as well. Yes, absolutely. You know, Miedema signed a one year, by the way, which for me doesn't sound very convincing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously she wants to play at the top as well, you know, and 
I have a feeling she might go somewhere that she's going to, you know, be insured at semi-final Champions League level for mm. sure next season. Mm. Well, they're going to have to try very hard to get to that final this year and hopefully she might stay on for a bit longer. Um, Emma, you mentioned Man United as one of the teams that you thought performed well over the weekend. What did you enjoy about their 2-0 win over West Ham? I just I, I just really like how they play. I like how they build from the back. I like what Mark Skinner's done and I really like the players he's brought in. Like it's just completely changed yeah. the team. They were a good team last year, but I thought they were kind of battling and they were very good at like fighting for points and a difficult team to play against. Now I think they're a team that nobody wants to play, like because they play fluid football. Uh, Lucia Garcia is an ex- is a complete handful, complete Love handful her. out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're a really difficult team to play against and they've got pace at the back, which, you know, so your long balls aren't going to work. Um, they've got a really strong midfield the weakest point, the weakest unit for me yeah. before. Um, and they're, they're extremely dangerous in attacking. And, and Leah Galton hasn't even got going yet. Like when she hits her form as well, it's going to be both sides. So I, I look at them and I think if I were to play against them, how would I set up? I just, it's difficult. Yeah. You're not going to be able to stretch them because they have that pace at the back just going to overload the midfield and try to dominate in there. And they're really good in set pieces as well. So I just, I'm just looking to see how teams are going to play against them. And I'm really looking forward to see how Emma Hayes, because, you know, she's the master, the the tactical master as far as I'm concerned. So I'm just wondering how she's going to do it in her system. Very interesting. But like as well for Skinner, you was really happy with how they controlled the game. We were talking about signings and depth. They were the things he lacked last season and they had Leon and Paris to come off the bench and change things up as well. So not bad options there. So Man United probably have a little bit more versatility as well as strength than they did last year. Like last year, it felt like they were very much a counter-attack and direct team. But I think they control the ball a little bit better now. Now, like you say, again, maybe they haven't been challenged all that much. I mean, West Ham had very little possession we give credit to Man United for that, but in terms of shots, it was like definitely double in United's favour in that game. Well, it's just like you say, the counter-attack, I think they will go back to that. They'll revert back it's to that when they come yeah. up against yeah. a better team because, as we said, I don't think they can play through the middle with their two midfielders and no disrespect to them, they're decent players, but the league is, has got incredible midfielders in it at the moment and I think United will try and bypass that. Yeah, I think they would like... I someone on the commentary was saying it was the first game they've won in London in nice seven games and they could be like prone to tripping up against the likes of West Ham. So hopefully they've kind of gotten that out of their system and it will just be seeing how they compete with those top teams. Now I think they see themselves at that level. And I think as well, like going into this season, a lot of people were talking about how they were going to be super reliant on, say, Toon and Russo to get goals. But already we're seeing that that isn't the case. You know, like Garcia and Bundil getting their goals at the weekend is the prime example of how different this United team is to the one last year. Um, Garcia in particular, like I watched her quite a bit in preseason just in various different matches. And I was so excited to see her play in the WSL. And she's just lived up to that completely for me since. And I think could, especially with whenever she pairs up with Barrier, I just feel like that could be a really, really exciting partnership and something that's going to be really dangerous <laughs> for the rest yeah. of the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, she's such a, a nice girl, you know, really 
down to earth and she just wants to improve. So that's going to help her even more. But I've when I watched Lucia Garcia play for the national team and for um, Bilbao, she was like a kind of like a headless chicken. She was quite quick. She's okay with the ball of her feet, but like would run into a brick wall if she didn't look up type of thing. Um, she's completely changed in, in the space of a year. This is, it's such an improvement for her. She's, she's looking up. She understands the game. She's bringing other players into play. She's finding really good positions. So yeah, I'm really happy for her. Really, really happy. She works hard. She works hard for it. And on the other side of the pitch as well, we should give a mention to Izzy Atkinson coming on and replacing Jess Sue. So keeping the Irish spirit alive there and um, said she was gutted after the match that she didn't get her goal or an assist, but because that's what she really wanted to do for her debut. But hopefully it'll come at some point down the line for her or even on the national side either. If she wants to do it for us there, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, we'll take um, that. <laughs> Chelsea Man City was kind of billed as the the game of the weekend wasn't the prettiest match by any accounts for large parts of it Emma I know you were at the game what was it like sitting pitch side and actually seeing it all unfold um I, I was actually really happy because I thought I'm <laughs> so happy I'm happy for you um, I was really happy to see City play better football I was really worried about them sleepless mm. nights worried about them after last weekend because they just looked completely lost they looked like they didn't know what they were doing they looked like they had no game plan um, and yesterday was different they controlled the game in the first half um, as we spoke about earlier Bunny Shaw was incredible uh, the only problem for me and I think it will be a continued problem is number one Bunny Shaw tends to find it problematic bringing other players into play she's a very individual player and at this level that's going to be really difficult and number two I think they rely too much on uh, Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly who don't forget are very very young they're not the complete players yet I'm probably going to get absolutely destroyed for saying that, but they're not. They're they're very young. They still need coaching, and unfortunately, I think they're they're being depended on too much. Um, but Chelsea were very very good in the second half, and again, that's Emma Hayes just switching something in midfield, just changing uh, Jess Fleming to to make sure she drops back and marks Dana Castellanos, and it just changed the game a little bit. They were also Chelsea were finding the the spaces in between the lines as the City midfield started to slow down a bit, get a little bit tired, and that's exactly what Chelsea are very good at. It's like they can smell the blood, and as soon as the City midfielders particularly. Uh, started to get a little bit tired. That's when Chelsea turned the screw a little bit and um, got on top of the game and and got their two goals. The City midfield that's still playing a centre back. In yes, but did, I thought she had a great game though. Yeah. I really, I thought she had a great game, and again, I was happy for her because. It's difficult. You're in a new country. You can't speak the language, um, which I'm helping with, by the way. I'm trying to teach her English. God help her. (laughs) (laughs) No swear words, no swear words. Um, Can't speak the language. The The pace of the game yesterday was very, very quick, but I thought she did really, really well. She's feeling it today, by the way. Uh, I'm not sure <laughs> how she uh, felt when she woke up, but she was definitely feeling it a little bit last night. So I'm sure she's feeling it today. Mm-hmm. But I would back you up on those points. Like you say, the two girls, Kelly and Hempia, yeah, they're stars at the Euros, but they're, they're still kids. They're very much playing their trade and they need leaders around them. I did think that City were much improved, um, but they're still going to need help. And I thought 
that the likes of Kirby and James were brought into the game better by the people around them than Kelly and Hemp were. They were kind of feeding off moments that they created for themselves, Hemp in particular. Yeah, and that's the story with City, isn't it? I mean, they just Mm. depended on them for their goals last season and they don't need to do it this time. They don't need to. They've got a good midfield. They've got good other forwards with Buddy Shaw. The problem for me is the defensive mistakes. I mean, they just have to cut them out. They're not good. It's not good enough. You can't afford to do it. And players, experienced players making these mistakes. Um, And you shouldn't be talking about individual errors with a team like City. I think there was, I I agree with what you were saying, Emma, and that they didn't look half as shambolic as probably the right word in the last game, that they looked a lot more together. But I just still can't see where the city team are going to end up. Like I still see them stumbling over some of the lesser teams that they probably should beat. And I don't know, would it be totally out there to think that they probably wouldn't finish top three and maybe even middle of the table if they keep going the way they are? If you asked me this last week, I would have said, I totally agree with you. Like it's, it's very worrying, but having seen them play yesterday, um, in real life um, I think they've already turned a little corner and I think they're only going to get better um, they still have a problem defensively but you know I think um, I, I just think they're they're starting to build on that a little bit yes they still have problems but I think if the the Spanish and the, the Venezuelan player mm-hmm. um gets their chances and, and fits into the team and gets more minutes under their belt, I think they can uh, easily be one of the best midfields in, in the league. And I think um, that is going to happen. So just, again, like uh, Taylor says, they need time, although this should have been sorted pre-season. And that's the problem. He seems to have been asking for time for about a season <laughs> and a half at this stage. <laughs> for different reasons and for completely different players since no one's actually the same that was there last season. But it does <laughs> to be his, his regular complaint. Um, Karen, Emma Hayes said after the match that the team kept playing themselves into trouble and I feel like this is something we've seen quite a bit with Chelsea over the la- especially the latter half of last season where they were just m- making things much more difficult for themselves than they needed to do. Do you think that you know, is this a fitness problem? Is it uh, not getting the right setup or not the team not being comfortable enough with the right setup? No, I don't think so. I think there's a little bit of staleness after the summer and not being completely bonded with the shorter preseason. I think possibly that they were so used to getting leads early on and Kerr firing on all cylinders that maybe just a little bit of not panic, but a little bit of apprehension comes into their play when they're not completely dominating straight from the off because I did think City were probably started the stronger um, and they were lucky to go in at halftime having got that Kirby goal. And again, it was kind of, there was a few City defensive errors there. It wasn't that they completely played their way into that lead. Um, They came out in the second half and were much better. So I do think it's just a little bit more time. And as Emma said, the influence of Kerr on that team will be huge. Um, And also they're still missing harder. So she's someone still to come back in and maybe it'll put pressure on Kerr or it'll take the pressure off her a little bit. Just having another name in the forwards to, because she said last week, Emma Hayes, that they couldn't hit a barn door. And there were still points in the game where you felt that. 
Yeah. But like, was, if you take, City had more shots, I think, than uh, Chelsea did during the game. But even yeah, City did have more. If you take yeah. that opportunity for Sam Kerr in the first half when she was in on goal yeah. from a very poor back pass from Steph Hotton, and she passed it. She yeah, I thought that was strange. She like, gave it to, to Kirby, who even was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> and she she, she, she actually was on her back foot to Kirby. So it was, it just didn't that, I think sense. that's a big confidence thing. And you know, we were speaking about this about mm-hmm. Sam Kerr at the start of last season as well. You know, she needs to score, and I'm not even going to say it because we're probably going to be saying she's top. She will scorer. be golden boot, yeah, 100%. yeah, exactly. <laughs> But it's like, you know, Emma Hayes also needs to find her team as well. There needs to be consistency. And she saw that, you saw last week, they had the three at the back, did not work. Um, the rumor was she was going to stick with the three. Um, and I was like, I don't believe it. I can't believe she's going to play Millie Bright right at that three and Lauren James, right? It doesn't work. And then she went back to the four, bringing Marin Melde in, um, going right back, which worked very nicely. Yeah. It kept him the game. So I think as well, it's Emma trying to find her team as well. That's, that's something she needs to do. But again, Chelsea, they're not worried. Emma's not worried. She knows she's got the players that can do a job. So it's just about finding that proper team and making sure they're sharp, sharp mm-hmm. as nails. Were you surprised that Mielda took the panel? Not really. Kirby took it. No, because Melda is their penalty taker, yeah, and she rifled it into the top corner. To be fair, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, and I know Emma got one up for months. Emma, when she's Emma Hayes says something, that's it. It doesn't matter. And I thought I total respect for Melda coming in, having yeah. been out for so long. She hasn't started a game in over a year, like, and then to step up and take the penalty, and it was a crucial one. One nil down is a very crucial time to score your second goal. Did you think Shaw had a shout for a penalty? I think the replay showed it was slightly outside just the box. Just outside, just outside. But I was I was calling for a penalty because yeah. I thought it was just inside, and I I was just like, oh my god, giving away a penalty two weeks, two weeks in, in a row. row. Yeah. Welcome to the WSL Buchanan, but this is ridiculous. And then Leilu Abbey, new to the WSL, gives away a penalty at the other end. Um, it was that a was a game. tough one though. The handball. I mean, it was. And like yeah, you say, both into the into the <laughs> um, no, but it was definitely a free kick, definitely. And the ref like was having none of it. I thought that was very obvious. It was a free kick, so mm-hmm. maybe she was just being nice to the newbie. Maybe. <laughs> and then to the most unexpected result of the entire weekend, I think that's probably a fair enough title for it. Everton beating Liverpool three nil. Um, complete dominance for them. Silenced Anfield. Yeah. Well as much as they could anyways. Um, what were you thinking watching this match, Karen? I think I spent like most of the first half with just my jaw open a little bit, being like, is this Everton? Have they been yeah, replaced by someone? Because I was shocked as well because they looked fluid and they looked like they had a structure and an approach <laughs> and they moved the ball really quickly. Whereas every game I watched last season of them, I didn't know what to expect. There were flashes. Um, I think... Good credit to Sorensen. He made three changes in bringing in Finnegan, Christensen and Park. And I mean, Finnegan and Park got on the scoreline and Christensen set up a couple of chances that could easily have been converted. They could have actually had another few. Um, and we were bigging up Liverpool last week, but it just, they were brought back to earth. Um, so you don't know if it was a poor Liverpool performance. Maybe they were overawed by Anfield and the occasion or whatever. Um, but I'll choose to praise Everton because like I said, we haven't done it all that much because they've been chopping and changing. You don't know what to expect, but I thought that they just played with confidence and hmm. um, they looked dangerous from set pieces. They seemed to just have all their tactics right on the day. 
Well, Matt Beard said after the match that it was that he thought that the players were overawed and that's the reason why they didn't play. He was like, we're going to have to learn to deal with these types of stadiums and crowds. Uh, I don't want that to be the excuse, but it was a factor and kind of saying that they normally play at Prenton Park, which is very, very different. It comes with a different sort of pressure and that Everson just took full advantage and thoroughly deserved the win. I mean, how much can you blame being overall, Emma? Do you think that was the case? Or do you think it was just a general disjointed performance from Liverpool? Did they maybe get in their heads a bit after? I think I think they got a bit carried away, to be mm. honest, from last week. I don't think the occasion got the better of them. You're talking about players that play in big stadiums, play for their national team. I would I hope it's not that excuse because it's a ridiculous one really to be honest um, I think personally that they were so good last week in their five at the back so compact and I think this is the difference between playing in the top level and then coming up from the second you can't spend that much time on the ball it will get taken off you can't make those mistakes in midfield playing it back and giving away possession because the turnover possession is so quick in the WSL that you just don't get away with it. Yeah, the third goal, the third goal really, the first time Liverpool really overcommitted and then they were just torn apart. I mean, you just can't do it and you can't leave those spaces. They're playing um, 3-5-2 or 5 at the back last week and those fullbacks got forward, leaving huge gaps behind them and then not keeping the ball completely exposed at the back. I mean, this is the problem for Liverpool and they're going to have to change that mentality. And it's good to bit. see them have ambition and think that they can take games to teams, but also need to bed yourself into the WSL and kind of make exactly. it as it's difficult their second as game, possible. You have to be, yeah. Exactly, you have to be realistic. Unfortunately, I think it was bad timing that they were playing at Anfield, to be honest, because you want to perform, you want to put on a show for your home team, for your home fans. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, this is they've played there three times and they haven't scored. They're yet to score at Anfield. And for me, I wouldn't want to play there. I'd be like, no, I want to play in the back garden. I'm not playing there. Yeah. I did love the just ultimate joy that all the Everton players were getting every time they scored. Like it was proper passion. I think they knew themselves. Because they're probably Liverpool supporters and they're scoring (laughs) at Anfield. I'm pretty sure at least two of them were, or at least two of them have talked before about being Irishans or about being Liverpool supporters. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I agree with Caro that, that Everton did a really good job. But at the end of the day, I know Matt Beard will be really, really annoyed because there were mistakes. Hmm. There were mistakes. The first one was mistake at the back post and they were warned before. They leaving the back post free. The, the two corners prior to that, they'd lost the headers in the back post. So that's when you got to change it. You got to make sure you win them. And that's where Everton were going. The first goal, the second goal, um, Megan got caught in possession. I'm afraid. Yeah, got to clear today. that. Clear that. Clear it. Rose Ooh. said, what's wrong yeah. with that? She did yeah. really well getting back and taking the ball. Yeah, she, she had, had it under control. Mm. And then she looked up and obviously didn't see an out, but just took too long and a mistake. And then the third goal comes from Melissa Lolly trying to play into midfield, a square ball, like... Yeah, if Dick Akers had been their manager, she would have been taken off. <laughs> well, at least it did add an extra level of intrigue to the rest of the season for both Everton and Liverpool fans because now it's hard to know what to expect for either of them. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, 
that we're going on a bit of a WSL break over the coming weeks as the internationals are on. But we do have something to keep you tied over in the meantime. Um, we are still running our competition. Thanks to our partners at Cabris. And we're trying to support Irish women's grassroots football. And we are still giving away all the net profits from our most recent Cabri Roadshow in Vicar Street. Uh, we will give you the opportunity to win 1,000 euro worth of equipment for your local grassroots adult club. So all you need to do, it's so simple. Whenever you're not watching the matches this weekend, you just contact us with your club details and contact information at the pod at offtheball.com. Terms and conditions apply. Head over to otbsports.com for more. We will be back with the podcast next week. We will have a brand new Ireland squad to mull over because Vera is announcing that on Friday. And we will also have more general analysis and interviews. We will chat to you next week. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.